right, welcome back to Deposit That Season 3 kickoff. Uh, we start each episode with an intro song, and I couldn't think of a better intro song than this. So for anyone that's not liking curse words, I'm sorry, this is what it is. <laughs> $3.1 million plus for a Tom Brady rookie card. Walk us through how you were able to get that type of number on a Tom Brady rookie card. Uh, well, a couple months earlier, we got $2.25 million for one that was in less grade. So when that was in the process of selling, we were approached by the consigner of the Beckett 9 and realized that we were getting more than anybody else and put it in the auction and with no reserve, which is a smart idea, you know, you let the buyers decide. Sure. And then, you know, we were all over ESPN and NBC and Yahoo Sports, and Tom Brady talked about the first one we sold for him. So it was huge. And $2.25 million for a card Massive. was insane. Yeah. yeah. And that card was worth a quarter million dollars before Brady won the Super Bowl. So Massive. And, it was insane. So when he talked about it on Good Morning, that, it was worth twenty grand. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely crazy. Two point two five million dollars right after the Super Bowl, um, and then yeah, just got publicity and put it all over our website and social media and spread the word, and the right people saw it. A buyer of that card most likely is never selling that, right? Realistically, it's something you pass down generation to generation, unless someone offers you what. 10 million? They could. I mean, who knows? If Brady wins another Super Bowl right. and his stuff blows up again, it could be worth five to ten million. Interesting. So tell everyone who you are, what you do, who you work with, who you work for, and a little bit about your business model. My name is Jordan Gilroy. I am the director of acquisitions for Leland's Auctions. We put together between four and six major sports auctions a year, mix of memorabilia, cards, autographs, a little bit of pop culture and Americana. And we just sell the highest end material to the clients around the world. So it's a little bit better deal on eBay, I'm assuming. Yeah, right. a, little a little bit more, more secure. Yeah, no <laughs> returns. No, my son accidentally hit my computer and bid on the card. I want to cancel it. It's or secure. Just broke his leg, and I'm now returning all the cards I bought for the past thirty days. Right? Exactly. None of, that, none of that goes on with you, right? No, no excuses. And I didn't know this, but you guys, you actually said you're the number one sports or the longest standing sports auction house, right? Yeah, since the early 80s. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, are you guys publicly owned, privately owned? Private. Privately owned? Yeah. Interesting. So talk to us a little bit about the market we're seeing right now, and I'll build the story up and you you know, bring it to the climax. So we saw sports cards really come onto the scene 2019, 2020, early before the pandemic. Um, and then it was kind of perfect timing where the last dance, Chicago Bulls, you know, Netflix, I think it was Netflix or whatever, yeah. came on the scene, and then you saw crazy cards just start exploding with the combination of that Instagram account, Slab Stocks, I believe it is, right? Slab Stocks? Yeah. Um, start pumping out ideas and theories, and everyone and their mother got into sports cards, and then quarantine, no one had anything else to do but search eBay and make predictions on the next Michael Jordan or Tom Brady, for example. Where are we at in today's market? Right now, it is pretty much focusing on the highest of end cards. So like hundreds of thousands, um, players that are retired, let's say Jordan, Kobe, Ruth, Gehrig, those kind of guys. Obviously, the guys playing are popular, um, but there is also a small amount of risk with people playing right now. Um, other than Brady and Mahomes and, and basketball, Luca and Trey and Giannis, speculation and trying to buy the next big thing 
isn't the smartest idea anymore. It's pretty much going with the sure thing and trusting the market to go up over time. So it's like buying an Apple stock, for example. Like if you want to be conservative, buy Apple, buy Facebook, whatever, right? Amazon, Google. Yeah. Same thing. So we're seeing the same thing where I'm not going to say flight to safety, but people are making those sure bets rather than buying those penny stocks, which are the guys got drafted and hopefully might be, again, the next Michael Jordan. Exactly. Now, the buyers that are in your pool that's paying even $100,000 for a card, right? So $100,000 to that three point, almost $2 million yeah. card. What type of guys are these? What type of girls are these? Are they institutions? Are they private, high net worth individuals? Are they sports enthusiasts? Are they collectors? What are they? Like, What makes up that demographic? A little bit of everything. So there are, let's say, investors, people that love collecting, um, people that want to put money into a high-end asset and put it away for five years and see what happens because they have the money to do so. And then there are a lot of people now that are just excited to be involved and getting in the case breaks and spending $100 and possibly getting a card worth $500,000. So by the way, shout out to Platinum Card Breaks. Uh, I've been breaking with them since, actually, I've been breaking with them since I broke my ankle uh, back in <laughs> August 2018. Uh, from there, I obviously got other guys, you know, G1 Cars, Wolf Car Breaks. Those are my three main guys. The Platinums, state of the art, first class. I mean, look, they're filling twenty, thirty thousand dollar breaks like it's ten dollars, you know. Yeah. So shout out to DG, everyone over at the Platinum family. Uh, they sponsored today's episode, just so you know, I put it's it cool. on there. Uh, I owe them a lot. They got me through probably the toughest time in my life. I also spent a fortune with them, <laughs> but they got me through. They gave me the capability of joining the community and that we haven't looked back since. So shout out to them. Um, so walk us through that process and the evolution of that. So somebody gets into a card break, they spend two hundred dollars on a break and hit a fifty thousand dollar card. What do you do? Do you sell it immediately on eBay? Do you send it in for express grading? Do you put it in your auction house raw? Like, what do you do? Sending for grading is definitely the best thing to do in the beginning and then put it into an auction. So for example, we just sold a LeBron James logo man for $190,000 two auctions ago in April. And the person won it in a case break. Wow. And he spent, I think, 150 or $200. Wow. So we got it graded for him. It came back a BGS 9.5 because it was right out of the pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sold for almost 200000 So I just got to real quick. Okay. So, again, I go through spurts. Like, it depends on what's going on in my life, obviously. Timing of the year, quarantine, weather. You know, obviously, I spend more time on my phone breaking in the winter because you can't go outside. You know, you can't go to the beach. Whatever, right? So, like, select football just comes out. Prism comes out. All these things come out at once. Higher end breaks, Right. So I spent a couple thousand dollars on breaking prism. On day one of break, I hit a gold James Weissman prism, right? <laughs> Wound up selling it to a private buyer for 17500 that day. So I'm like, all right, well, I think at that point I'd spent like a grand, let's say. So now I'm up sixteen five. Put some money away, took some additional of that profit proceeds, and put it into select. That night I hit a Herbert RPA at a select FOTL. Game changing, right? Awesome. Yeah. Now I'm a Herbert fan. I'm a quarterback fan in general. So I, I stashed that away. Now I still got money left to play with. But now I'm up, let's just call it 20000 realistically, right? Between the Weissman and that. I mean, probably yeah. more, but let's be conservative. So I send that into grading immediately again, nine and a half, ten. I'm, I'm, it's perfect, right? Pumped. Yeah, you're, that's you're, awesome. not getting, you're not getting better. You're probably not getting a 10 10, right? From yeah, that's tough. So now I go to Platinum. So I hit that Herbert on G1 cards. I go to Platinum and on release day, Select came out with like the uh, hybrid H2, I think it was called. I hit an out of 10 Herbert RPA. 
I'm like, this is crazy. That's like, insane. I'm about in the matter of three days, right? This is crazy. People crazy. don't even get that in their entire life. Now, again, don't forget, I've had months where I've dumped a lot of money. I haven't hit shit. I think in like the, my last thousand dollars spent, I'm over. Like, I haven't hit anything. I think I hit a Chris Middleton. I um, even worse, a Chris Humphreys auto. Oh yeah, that is. Someone's got to pay. <laughs> I got to pay someone to take the card, right? That's how dog shit it is. So, with this particular card, I'm like, oh, this is great. It's out of ten. It's gold. Beautiful patch. Everything. I send it into Beckett. Guess what the grade came back at? Seven and a half. A five out of ten. <laughs> How? <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't even know you get a five, right? There's. I looked at the card a hundred times. It literally went from pack to D's hands, who breaks for plat, right? He's one of the owners. To a top loader, to Beckett. A five out of ten. So I'm like, I don't even. First of all, I'm not the guy that crack cards. Like that's not me. Like that's the grade. It is what it is. If there's a flaw with it, it is what it is. But like. I don't have to do with it. I literally, I put it in a drawer in my house, graded as a five, because like, look, this card, realistically, to 10, could be a $30,000 card. Ballpark, right? It's to yeah. 10 RPA, like on card. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a good one. It's just a select, right? It's a good product. But it being a five out of 10, is there even a market for that? Yeah, I mean, people sometimes crack those out and just put them in authentic only holders and then just grade the autograph. Yeah. And then it's just up to you to be honest when you sell it to someone right. and say, Hey, there's a scratch in the back or there's a corner dang or something. But it's more attractive to see the authentic and the auto 10 grade than a five. five. Yeah. You know what's so funny? So, like, I forget what it says, but it's like, um, it says like five under it. It says like good condition. Wait, hold on. Like, good. I don't think that's, yeah, that's crazy. Well, I tell you, I thought it was a joke. I'm being honest with you, right? Because again, I've sent so, I only send, like I said, good cards in, right? I've been doing this now for three years, but like, I'm not an expert in cards, but I know enough more than your average person. Like, I don't just send dog shit in to be graded. I actually inspect it. Like, I put lighting. I, I do all the things that somebody who knows what they're doing would do. Yeah. I'm telling you to this day, I can't... And it said surface, by the way. Five surface, whatever. I think it was like a three surface, whatever it was. Yeah. I can't see anything with the visible naked eye. And that's what makes it more frustrating, obviously. You know? Yeah, with the three surface, that kind of... Should mean it's like a scratch like a that's obvious, like yeah. A bullet hole, like realistically, you know. Yeah. So, how important when selling a high rent card is the grade? Extremely important, and for that, for example, that Brady card, a BGS nine is over three million dollars. Eight point five that we sold, point five lower it was almost a million dollars less. So every point counts. So would you, is there like a, an overall saying like 30% less, 50% less, 100% less? Like what is that kind of from a 10 to a 9.5 to a 9? Walk everybody through that. For like standard cards, let's say rookie cards and stuff that's not worth six figures. Right. Let's say if a PSA 9 sold for 5000 you could expect the PSA 10 version to be double. Interesting. Yeah. So there's almost a 50% fall off from a 10 grade, which is perfect, to a 9, which is almost perfect. I'd say in most cards, yeah. If a card, if a 9 is 2,500, you could say 5,000 for a 10, yeah. Now, we've seen, you know, everyone's like, oh, the card market collapsed, the card market collapsed. Well, a $3.1 million sale clearly isn't a collapse, right? We've seen a segment of the card market collapse recently. We said some cards are down almost 1,000% realistically, right? So what, what do you attribute that to? Uh, I would say hmm, pop reports, people realizing that there are thousands of this one card. For those that don't know, pop report means population report, the total existence of a card in a certain grade. For those that don't know, like go to PSAPopReport.com, I think it is, right? Or PSA pop. 
It's uh, if you want to just Google the card, Google I guess, the and do just the PSA pop report. Yeah. So now people are becoming more aware of what's actually available in the market. Yeah. Also, a lot of them have been selling on eBay. So when the market floods, that's not a good thing because then everyone in the world sells it, and the buyers are like, "Which one do I pick?" And you don't want them to think. You want them to all be on, you know, focused on one card, not focused on deciding between two hundred of the same thing. So, in your opinion, if you're selling, right? Let's just say a thousand dollar card, right? What would be your strategy to somebody selling a $1,000 card right now that's not overpopulated, but it's also not something that's like a one-of-one one or an exclusive card? Like, Do you list it on auction or do you list it at like a buy-now price? I would probably say buy it now because you can make the price up and it's up to you what it sells for. Sure. In auction, you never know what's going to happen. If, you're not, if you don't have a great scanner, if you don't know how to do the correct title, Sometimes an item can slip away and sell for 75% of value, and then that's not that great. Interesting. So it's also timing. I mean, if you end the card on a Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m., right. it's not as good as Sunday night at 9 p.m. Is that the ideal time to end an auction Sunday night? Yeah. Really? That's Yeah. Because people are home, you know, they're getting yeah. back to the swing of things from the weekend. Not much goes on Sunday night, so... So that's like probably the most million dollar advice you can give somebody that's selling stuff on eBay, especially sports cards, is like, I'm guessing it's a window between like, what, like 8 and 11 p.m. because of the California time and everything else, really? Yeah, I'd say, yeah, 8 and 11, yeah. So like those are the little things that everyone messes up on. I'll, ne I'll never forget, like, look, everyone's like owning a house. My house, this car, my house should sell for X. This card is worth $1,000. And then you put it up at auction and it sells for 600 and you're like, damn. Yeah, I got 40% less than what the last cop sold for. Like, why did my cards sell for that much less? But if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing, right? Yeah, and also another important thing is managing, like, reality and expectations. Some people go to eBay sold listings and then just look at the highest price from three months ago right. for $5,000 right. and don't look at the recent one that just Super went Bowl for— Super day, yeah. rage, broke records, hot topic. Exactly. Yeah. And then if, let's say, three of them sell in the last week— they will always take the high price. Always. So if it's a thousand eight hundred and seven hundred, they say, "Oh, it's worth a thousand. So, I mean, there's so many things that go into it. If it's a Beckett nine, it could be a thousand for a true nine with all nine subs, sure. or it could be eight hundred for a nine that just barely got a nine. So subgrades matter. Um, the better subgrades obviously means a higher price, but managing reality and expectations is also very key because you could hold on to a card that's overvalued for so long because you think it's worth more than it is so right now with what you're seeing from an opportunity standpoint let's talk about the person that either wants to get into cards or looks to invest in cards for obviously hopefully a fruitful investment where do you see the market right now from an investment standpoint is it in breaks is it in buying singles is it in buying a certain player is it in buying a certain grade from a grading company? Where do you see an opportunity for people right now? I would say football. My do, gut's telling really? me is the next big thing. Football. Yeah, the football season for cards, it's, it's amazing because it's one game a week. Yeah. So there's six days of hype and speculation in between games. And like in basketball, you could put up 50 points on Monday night. Yeah. Everyone buys the cards for triple. Yeah. And then Tuesday, you put up 10 points and people forget about you. But in... Football, it's like, you know, if you have a huge game on a Sunday, six days of real sales will happen. Sure. And then week two, if you screw up, everyone's like, I have, I have this. Oh, they want him to do well week three because they more. put the money in. They're like, oh, I just spent $5,000 on this guy. Let's give him another shot. So you're actually seeing people dollar cost average and buy 
the same card at a cheaper price point just to protect their investment, I guess? Or Sometimes, yeah. Um, but in football, it's like the quarterback, like history has shown us the quarterbacks are worth so much money. Sure. Brady, Rodgers, sure. Breeze, Mahomes. So right now it seems like buying Brady and Mahomes is a good thing because it's the sure thing. Yeah. And one of them is probably going to go pretty far yeah. in the playoffs or win. Yeah. yeah. So that is what I'd probably focus on. Um, also, Even spending, okay, for example, $15,000 on a Mahomes Prism Silver Rookie, like uh, PSA 10, you would say, okay, that's kind of a safe bet right now? If it's a 10, yeah. yeah. The nines and lower, I probably wouldn't do. Yeah. Um, you just got to think of like liquidity and how many people will buy it right. once it goes up. But a different buyer pool. Yeah, a ten is yeah completely different than a nine, even though it's only one grade away. Buy a Bentley. Yeah, <laughs> I'd also buy vintage baseball cards. You think they'll always be there? American history, like yeah, know. Ruth, Mantle, Gehrig, DiMaggio. Yeah, they're all deceased. Their values can really just go up because it's not like they're gonna get a it's DUI not, or break. Final. Yeah, they're not gonna <laughs> break their ankle and okay. tear their ACL and be done forever. They are solidified in history. Is there a certain um, demographic of like New York buyers or California buyers or Texas, buyers, for example, where the higher end cars usually Florida usually sell to, like from a, from an income wealth standpoint? Like you see, like wow, all these big Manhattan buyers are buying sports cars. They're like, hey, you know, we're in Boca Raton, Florida, and we just shipped the three point one million dollar car there. Are you seeing that, or is it kind of all over? I'd say California, Florida, New York is pretty solid but not as big as those other two um i heard the asian market for basketball cards is like insane like oh yeah by lebron like huge awkward, right yeah why is that well it's because it's global and out there i don't like lebron you, you watch the documentary of michael jordan he went all over the place and whenever he gets to a mall it's like the mall is completely filled because they want to sure. see him sure. and they don't go there often sure. so like when they go there for one time it's like oh my gosh it's like, let's say, if the Pope came to New York City. Everyone's I mean, going. Yeah, it'd be huge. Gotcha. So, talk about this Kobe real quick, right? Obviously, we saw, by the way, I sold, and I'm such a jackass. I sold, my friend said, think about it. Kobe's going to sign 100 products a year, 1,000 autos, this and that. I sold like a flawless, like 2014 to 15 on-card auto for like $800 back in 2018. But again, $800 a time, like that breaks for so much less. Like it made sense. It got me into like 10 more breaks, right? Plus, I was like, Oh, that makes sense, right? He'll be signing forever. And then obviously everything tragically happened. What do you think Kobe's value is right now? I mean, he's one of those guys, kind of like a Mantle, Ruth Gehrig, where like he's kind of sure arguably thing. top yeah. one and a half players in the NBA history forever, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, he is way up there. It's always Kobe, LeBron, Jordan. It and it's probably always going to be that unless someone else comes in who yeah. I mean LeBron was out of high school, that huge. Right. Kobe skipped high school. Yep. Uh, Kobe skipped college. Yep. I mean, it's just insane. Um, but then we had his Hall of Fame induction, and yep. that increased prices for a short amount of time. And now things are kind of getting back to reality in some ways. Yeah, down like forty percent off the highs I saw. Yeah, the, some um, cars obviously not everyone, but yeah. Yeah, it's always going to be a, a good long term thing though. Like if you see the graphs of cards it's like always it goes up and then it corrects itself but doesn't go all the way down and then sure. it goes up and sure. so at some yeah at some point it will go back up um it might not be in six months it might not be in a year but it will that's just how the market goes and you can't really 
lose. I mean, if anything, now I guess is a good time to buy it because prices are sure. going down a little sure. bit. Um, but luckily, Kobe, LeBron, and Jordan, those guys aren't going down as much as lesser players. It's just crazy. So I saw, uh, I'm, I'm part of those like high roller Facebook groups, you know, people post and stuff, this and that. And I saw it today, I said to my friend, I said, look, you know, someone sold an NTRPA of Trey Young for 55000 the last two sold on Goldman, actually, supposedly. This is what the, don't, if you fact check this, this is what I saw. So I'm not saying this is true. The last two comps were like 55000 this kid posted it. Like, oh, I'll just take 40000 for this. Now, it's big money, obviously, 50, 55000 40000 Last year sold for 22000 so you're still up. So I said, is it me or like, could something be off with this card, right? Because... If the last two comps are 55000 I get Trey just rolled his ankle. But, like, he's one of the best young talents in the NBA. Let's call a spade a spade, right? Yeah. So why would you look to discount this card? Was that 30%? Yeah, call it 25 27%. Like, they're still in the playoff hunt, right? They're still running, right? They might be going to game seven or six. They might be eliminated. But why would you give a $15,000 discount? He's like, oh, he just rolled his ankle. He's hurt. He's out. They're probably going to lose to the Bucks. I'm like... Okay, well, this next season starts in like five months, right? Or four months. Talk about like altering cards, fake cards, and when you see something suspicious like that. I'm not saying it is, this card in particular, but like what are you seeing on your end with high cards? Are you seeing a lot of fake cards? Not really um, because in order to sell a card now that's high end, it has to be graded. So, I've seen cards that have fake grades though, right? Yeah, it, it is tough to – to see, I mean, especially with like, let's say vintage baseball cards and trimming, it's very difficult. I mean, for me personally, I don't, I can't really say, oh yeah, this 52 mantle is trimmed. It shouldn't be real. Um, I kind of just like go with my gut. And of the person selling it? It's a mixed, yeah, sometimes it's that. I mean, if someone reaches out to me on Facebook and or Instagram and I've never talked to them before, they have five followers, zero profile picture, and they say, I'll sell you this PSA five mantle rookie card for three thousand dollars it's right. obviously a red flag gotcha. um but we yeah, also have desperation of people that just want a cash grab you know yeah like that trey young i mean let's say it's a 18 year old kid right. who spent three thousand dollars on it and wants to cash out before he thinks right. they're gonna lose right. and doesn't want to wait four or five years so go back to exactly yeah and they could use that money to My buy house. a car college <laughs> yeah. anything yeah sure so there are people that are willing to sell something for less than market value because of outside factors. Um, but back to the, let's say, fake and altered cards, um, it's good that we know a lot of people that know the information and we can ask them to check because we don't know all the answers. Of course, that's not your specialty. Yeah, I mean, we know a lot, but it's, it's impossible to know everything about every sport, every card. Um, now, while we do, I would say, no, 95 98%, there's always those little things out there that sure. no one knows except sure. for, like, two people. Sure. So we fact-check through good sources sometimes and just make sure that we're selling the right stuff because we don't want to sell anything. We don't want to be blasted in forums course, saying Leland's is selling yeah, a trimmed card. Yeah. Well, card porn, I don't follow them. My friend always sends me the post from them. I should probably follow them because I'm shouting them out. Hopefully, like, they'll send me some money for shouting them out. It's <laughs> at card porn, I believe. Like fake patches, like hey, Le- I'll give you an example. Like LeBron, three of ten. Here's the patch, and then like it sells three years later. It's like, whoa, that patch is nasty. Oh wait, that card sold for X. Look, did somebody go in and change that patch? Like, people do, yeah. I mean that LeBron. I think you're talking about that LeBron James limited logo. Recently, I yeah. saw them post it. 
Well, I guess it's good that people keep pictures for almost Social 20 years. Nothing flies today, right? Yeah, and those buyers are very meticulous. Are so they? they have those photos. They have photos of cards that haven't been seen in 20 years. Uh, they don't put them out on the photo, sure, sure. you know, photo bucket or Instagram or yeah, anything, yeah, yeah. but they have them for their records. And it's good to know that people have those records and can, you know, call these people out. Sure. Um, because that LeBron card, I mean, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's brutal. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the best, but it's tough unless you know or have that photo of that card from 20 years sure. ago. I mean, it's kind of impossible to know. I mean, I didn't know until I saw that post. Let me ask you this question. So, obviously, PSA was backed up, shut down. I've had orders in bulk orders in from September. Same thing with Beckett. They're like, next month, next month, next month. Horrible, right? Um, let's say somebody submitted 600 cards to PSA, cheaper cards, and the grades are starting to come back. And their goal was to take those cards and flip it and make money. What do you recommend somebody doing right now with that inventory? Is it listing it one by one? Is it selling it as a bulk lot? What do you recommend somebody doing that saw their cards fall off, you know, six to eight times what they thought they were going to make on? Uh, if you want to milk it for all it's worth and you don't mind spending the time to scan and write up and ship out all those cards, then by all means, they can sell each card individually. But if they're bitter about it and they just want to, you know, wipe their hands of it, you could just sell it all to someone. There are a million people that would buy 600 graded cards right so. now. Yeah. So bulk, there are bulk buyers out there. I mean, think, oh, so yeah. If you send 600 cards and let's just say he got it at, let's call it $20 on average grade per card. Think about the number. It's 12 grand just in grading. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm like, dude, the, the grades are worth more than the cards right now, unfortunately, you know? So you would actually go to what? Like someone like yourself? Like, is that something you would take on? Like a bulk, I'm going to say cheaper and order or is that not really for you that wouldn't be for us because we don't do much of the quantity ebay selling gotcha. um you know there are card there are people like dealers that have ebay pages of thirty thousand feedback and they would pay more than let's say us because they can go to ebay and milk all these cards individually and spend the time because gotcha. they have a staff it's like only doing that we pretty much focus more on high dollar auctions and private sales so what's the minimum dollar value you would want to take on in a perfect world about 1500 oh so you yeah. go that low i say yeah. well i mean again for a card world that's oh yeah 3.1 million 1500 is a little bit different obviously so 1500 yeah. is the minimum kind of threshold for you yeah is there a reason for that number or is this kind of where you guys are at overall well we factor it costs x amount of dollars you know costs overall like labor and producing a catalog and never even one salary and rent everything mixed together. Gotcha. It costs X amount of dollars to put an item into an auction. So factoring the commission that we would make on a $1,500 card, that's where we start to make the profit. Gotcha. So, that's, okay, gotcha. so now to be clear, what are your commission thresholds, right? So like, is it up to a certain amount? Is it a flat fee? Is it if we hit a certain number, you don't pay above and beyond? Break down to me what your guys' cost is. People that are listening can say, hey, I have this Mantle rookie I'm thinking about selling. I know it just sold for a million dollars. If they think 20%, I'll get 800000 Can you break that down for us? So standard is pretty much 15% for anything that's $1,500 or more. Of the final sale price? Of the, the hammer price, gotcha. yeah. So the higher you go, the more flexibility there is. Sure. Um, with a million-dollar card there, I mean, that's the most flexibility we could have. Sometimes... Um, 
I don't know if it's good to say this, but sometimes we give a, por- a portion of the buyer's premium to the seller if it's something that we need and it's that much and it's going to get us exposure and it's worth a million dollars. Give us an example of that. Just walk me through an example. So let's say if there's a card, a modern card, and there's so much competition now. Yeah. So yeah. I know that they're probably talking to other people. And sometimes instead of saying, oh, we're 15% and trying to get it for a million-dollar card. about 50 yeah, I mean, if I say 15% for a million-dollar card, I might not even get a call back right. because other people might just say 5%, 0%, pay or even grand. better. Pay yeah, pay grand. we're good. Yeah, so I like to just get right to it and yep. don't waste time. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's just there's flexibility on expensive stuff Yeah, because I know there are a lot of options, and we want to sell as much as possible for our buyers and sellers. So... There is flexibility once you get to the really expensive stuff. What's the process of somebody that's sitting at their house right now or gonna watch this adventure on YouTube or who knows, however they find this, right? And they're like, yeah, you know, my, my dad passed away. He left me these box of cards from 1950s and 60s. You know, I know nothing about cards. I don't have time to go through eBay. My wife's breaking my balls on getting these out of the house because they're clutter, right? Um, do they just contact you and say, hey, Jordan, saw you on this podcast. I have these old cards I was given. Um, Do you want them? Do you want to meet up? Can you value them for me? Walk me through in a perfect world how the consumer would reach out to you or contact you directly and then the process that follows that. What do you typically do? In an ideal world, the consigner will trust us like 100% to work in their best interest. So calling us or emailing us or reaching out on social media they say, I have these cards. I know you guys will handle them pro- uh, properly and correctly. Um, I would like to consign them. Then once I realize they have the trust in us, then that's when I just start to go to town and work for them as hard as possible. So it's not like I'm going to work hard uh, less for someone that doesn't trust us. But I understand that people have questions and they don't just hand over $50,000 cards without knowing who we are. Um, but yeah, once in an ideal world, Someone will say, I want to give this to you. Here it is. Sell it for me when it goes up. But realistically, that doesn't happen too much. Um, But with a big collection, the most important thing to know is that we are not dealers looking to tell you what's wrong with your cards to make money. We want everything to be a PSA 10 or the highest grade possible because we make more money when you make more money. We together. Exactly. So you don't have to think, uh, oh, are they trying to like pull one on me because... We both want the stuff to sell for as much as possible. Right, it's all public auction too, right? Like you put it out there, everyone sees what the final price is. Right? Yeah, we don't want to sell a two hundred thousand dollar card for a hundred thousand. That's terrible. Now, I mean, do you guys also buy for yourselves? Meaning, like, let's say somebody says, "Look, I have this card here. I only want ten grand for it. Just give me ten grand. I don't care if you sell it for a million. Because you have that too. I've seen. I have people reach out to me all the time. Like, they're like, "Oh, I see you're big in the sports." I'm like, look, look, "Look, I'm not really big in the sports cards as much as I am." like into sports and investments, right? Yeah. Like I could care less about sports cards than they, other than the three Mahomes I have because obviously like they're important. I bought them at a critical time in my life. I was right on my first gut instinct yeah. and they're my sons, right? Like I bought them for my son, right? So Which is good because if they're for you, you might have sold them. Well, I sold one of them, right? It's just yeah. to cover. <laughs> I, again, 17 times what I have invested in all, I'm going to take that all day long. It's just smart, right? Um, you have people that are like, hey, I know you're a sports card. I'll sell you these for two grand. I don't care what you make on them. Just like get them out and eat two grand. 
Do you do that as well? Like, you oh, yeah. Have buy cards and then relist them or resell them or hold them as an investment? How does that work? If we can make money on it, yeah. we will buy it. I mean, if someone walked up, uh, gave us a card and was like, this card, like a Brady Contenders card. If someone gave us a eight and a half or a nine yeah. and said, oh, it's worth two to three million dollars, I'll sell it for a million. Boom, we'll pay him that day. I mean, we could pay for pretty much any card we need. We also have buyers that will buy privately. So if someone has a million dollar card, gotcha. it might so not be us buying, it might be this guy buying it. So we would broker it for them. So somebody can come to you and say, hey Jordan, look, I'm really looking for this card. If it ever comes across your desk, you hear about it, let me know, I'll buy it up to X amount of dollars. Yeah, I have a spreadsheet of people and what they're looking for. So whenever someone comes to me and says, I have this for sale, I just go to the spreadsheet, see who wants it, and then I just talk to all of them. How many sales on average happen per month like that? Private sales, yeah. you mean? Of, of, of like, worthiness to talk about. I'm not talking about like a thousand dollar card, I'm talking about like a hundred thousand dollar card, for example. Um, it's not as frequent as the auctions that we put out. Yeah. Um, it's only because sometimes people think they can get a better deal in an auction and sure. then they spend more money. Sure. <laughs> um, but they happen, like, it's pr pretty frequent, but we'd obviously like a lot more, you know? So again, so somebody, I tell you about my friend that bought the Steph Curry BGS 1010, right? For $450,000, which is insane. Does a guy like that come to you and say, hey, have his card, here's what I paid for it, here's what I need on it? Or, hey, you know, here's the number I want on it? Like, what, what happens in the case of obviously dealing with almost a half a million dollar card? How, what's the typical exchange? So let's say, for example, they texted me in 20 minutes and said that, I would probably say, what do you need for it? They would let me know. If it's too high, then I'd probably say, hold on to it a little longer because no one's going to buy it at that sure. price. Sure. Um, and that kind of card, I don't know if there's been a, a more recent public sale. So it could be up a little, it could be down a little. Um, but I would probably reach out to a few people and get their opinion on value. And if it's low enough, I mean, we could buy it, we could sell it to someone else. We can say, hey, we'll make this one of the featured lots in our next auction, make it in the top 10 lots, put you on the cover of our website and cover the catalog, offer you the works. Gotcha. Um, but there are a lot of options. Do you offer any type of like incentive or referral fees for people that come in or like refer you to buyers or sellers or lots or anything like that? Like Again, someone brings you, hey, my mom wants to sell this lot here. You end up saying, wow, this is a million dollar lot. Like, is that something you work out with somebody? Do you give them a piece potentially? Like, what is that? Because obviously everyone cares. Look, we're in New York and New Jersey mostly, right? Everyone only cares about themselves. So what's somebody going to have incentive other than, oh, yeah, great, you helped my mom make a million dollars, I got nothing for referring it. Do you have anything like that that exists? A loyalty program, a referral program? There's not so much a program just because not everybody asks for it initially. Right. So if they do ask, depending on the deal, like, let's say if a son says, my mom has a $5,000 card, right. at that level, the margins that we make not is not yeah. you know the best. But Buy lunch. Yeah. If it's you know a hundred thousand dollar card, or um, or if you know people that will continue to consign cards, and sure. this isn't just a one-off, yeah. then we can set up like a percentage, and they will know in their head, hey, I get X percent of whatever I get to sure. Leland's. Sure. Now I'm going to work ten times harder sure. because it's guaranteed money. So essentially, an extension of you, like running around doing the, the legwork. Yeah. The only reason why I say that is because I was in the Bronx for eight years. If you didn't know that, if you do know that, whatever. Um, a lot of my old timers in the Bronx, I mean, 
you're in the Bronx, you're in the Yankees, odds are your family's passed down massive baseball collections. Like I know guys that have cards that are like, I think I messaged you one time. Like, yeah, 50, yeah, 50, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't know what to do with this, you know? This is like, you just handed me, you know, but again, people trust me because obviously I've dealt with multi-millions of dollars for them, right? So like their card collection was kind of unheard of. It was their hobby until it turned into like potentially their retirement. So a lot of people that listen that are going to be from the Bronx are like, yeah, you know what, my you know, my, my dad, my uncle, whoever gave me these cards of Ruth, Mantle, Gehrig, and so on and so forth. So that's the reason why I asked that. And again, coming from knowing the Bronx, they're all going to say, well, what do I get for this? So that's yeah. why I like putting that out there because if they're listening, okay, bring them to the table, right? Now, do you sit down with them and go over the collection with them face-to-face? Or how does that work? Ideally, if it's if they're contacting us on the phone or an email, I'd like to get a feel for what they have first gotcha. because if someone says, I have a collection of... I have 100,000 or 100,000 cards. Yeah. Can you come check them out? Yeah. It wouldn't be the ideal scenario to drive to the Bronx and then they have 1990s <laughs> cards yeah. and then I have to like sit there yeah. and break the bad news to them. Sure. Um, so ideally what we like to do is pretty much have a set, like it's almost like a pickup situation. Sure. You talk to someone, you talk about the terms, and once you agree to the terms, you pick it up. Gotcha. But if they don't know what they have, I'll ask her some pictures gotcha. of what they think the best items are. And if it's good, then I will go and say, if the stuff is like this good stuff, you have a huge collection, it's worth a lot of money. Um, worst case scenario, those things are still good. Everything else is junk. We would still sell the good stuff. Um, but we do like to know exactly what we're getting ourselves into. Interesting. Um, so where do you see your company and yourself going over the upcoming years? Like obviously it's gonna continue to get hot. The market turns at all. I'm expecting more inventory to hit your desk. People are going to need capital. Where do you see yourself growing to? Ideally, more auctions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that would be a huge thing because there are so many more cards being produced, more sure. boxes. Sure. And people want to sell, and we want to sell it for them because we make more money. Right. So why wouldn't we want to have more auctions to make more money? Um, throughout the year and just like have our name be in people's minds much more consistently because if you have an auction three or four times a year it's like all right those little spurts but when you have an auction once a month it's like that just sold they're having another auction in two weeks that just sold another auction starting and people just like see us as an outlet they don't even have to call us and say what is this worth the percentage yada yada they just send it and then we sell it for them now, there will be a, a minimum. Like, we wouldn't just want people randomly course, sending course. us cards that are worth five bucks. Yeah. But if people just send us $5,000 cards without us asking, Perfect. I mean, in yeah, an ideal world, that'd be great. So now, do you only sell graded cards or do you actually sell raw cards as well? Um, we would sell raw cards if it's one of these, like, you know, flawless encased cards. Gotcha. Um, we like to sell those. But if it's a raw, like, vintage card, then it definitely should be graded just because we don't want to leave money on the table. And vice versa. Yeah, and also we have to check authenticity. So if you look at a 52 mantle and it looks perfect, like the edges are razor sharp, it could be an 8 or it could be trimmed. So that's $0 or a $1 million. Would you say that card is, like, the heroic card of the sports world, realistically, the sports card market? Um, I get. It's up there with the Wagner. Yeah, the Wagner is like the holy grail, but like since it does... Like that's it. Like if you have that... That's yeah, that's like... Over. That's the best thing you could possibly have. Gotcha. I mean, there are cards that are worth more money, right. but speaking of being iconic, yeah. I mean, that is the one. 
but like the mantle is also iconic because so many people sell them um, and they're just more out there. What's like the pop on the highest grade? What, first of all, what's the highest grade? Do you even know what the highest grade is on that? I think mantle? there are three PSA 10s. Yeah. Legitimately. Yeah. So you say that's a totally blow. For the mantle, mind. not the Wagner. Okay, yeah. fine. How do you have a car that's now 70 years old, right? 69. Let's call it 69 years old. It's a PSA yeah. 10. But I just hit a Justin Herbert 2020, 2021 select. Brand new, fresh out of the pack that gets a five. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Is that are those real PSA tens? Like, how does that even happen? Realistically, yeah. I mean, back in the day, I think I don't. I haven't seen photos of all of them, yeah. but I believe some of them might be in like the old holders gotcha. in the beginning of PSA, not like the first year, but sure. not like someone submitted it yesterday. Because to get a 10, 52 mantle right now, yeah. it would be. It'd be insane. So It'd they've be been graded possible. for at least a decade or two or three, even potentially. Yeah, and they had just been solidified in those cases, right. and no one's ever going to crack it out yeah. to get it in a new label because yeah. the risk is just not. Yeah, I imagine like I'm assuming paper like disintegrates over time, right? I mean, you would think that even if it sits there, no one touches it. Yeah. No lighting or whatever, like gravity. I would imagine a 70 year old piece of cardboard would kind of have some flaws to it, right? Yeah, in most cases, except for those three. <laughs> That's so interesting to me. So. Other than that 52 mantle, so like everyone at home that has a car collection from your parents or whoever, like 52 mantle, what other cards are there that are considered to be iconic right now that people should be looking for? 51 Bowman mantle, uh, T206 cards of Ty Cobb with the, uh, the red portrait, the green portrait. The Wagner, obviously, if anyone has a Wagner, hit me up. Yeah, quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, for Wagner, I mean, you, we could sell it for millions of dollars in five minutes. I mean, there are people just lined up for those. So you have a waiting list on those? Not like specifically, yeah. but we know people that would buy it for the right price. How many of those exist that we know of? I don't know the exact pop report, yeah. but I think there are like maybe 60 known. So it's a, it's in a, any not, grade. Yeah, it's not 10 though. It's 60. Yeah. Wow. And authentic is still seven figures. <laughs> What do you think of like 1920s cards and below? Like, I saw like a real, I think like a hundred year old baseball. But it doesn't matter who the player is. Like obviously, like you have that. Is there going to be always upside value there? Because someone's always going to want like an antique, if you will. I would assume, right? Yeah. The beginning, yeah, the pre 1920s cards. Yeah. I mean, when you're thinking of Ruth and all those other iconic sure. Hall of Famers, like sure. li- like legends like that. It's just um, like you saw a collectible had that other Ruth card. I mean, aesthetically. It's not the greatest thing to look at, but it's worth more than like, let's say two of those Honus Wagner cards sure. combined. Sure. So when you get in the beginning stages of baseball, it's like America's pastime in the history. And when it's a high grade, it's like that card has been around for a hundred years and it's an eight or a nine. It's much more impressive than even a 10 now. Sure. Yeah, um, it should be a dime a dozen in today's technology. And it's like a work of art. So if someone's going to spend $5 million, it's not like, buying a house where you put a deposit down and pay it over time. Right. If you could spend $5 million at once, right. then you, got you could spend $10 million at once. Sure. So let's just say you have a 52 mantle graded 10, right? So what grade is it almost not worth buying? Like if there's a three, for example, a grade three, is that even still worth buying? Does that like theoretically still have to go up over time? Or do you think like there's a point where it's really not that good of an investment. Is it six? Is it five? Is it seven? Is it eight? Is it nine? Where do you personally see like that fall off grow from? So if you saw last year, people were like, oh, well, this Giannis, just, this Giannis 10 just sold for two grand. The nine's only 200. Let's all go buy all the nines. But as you know, 
a 10 buyer is different than a nine buyer in most cases on modern cards. So on that card in particular, where would you have that cutoff be from an investment, straight investment standpoint? Um, I would say at the, like a three, three and higher is the stuff that will go up the most. Authentic, um, let's say before this whole boom, uh, authentic mantle was like $8,000. Now authentic could be 15 to 20. Authentic which is 52 mantle. Yeah. Not graded though. It's an authentic. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's double your money, but it's also an increase of $7,000 uh, to $10,000. But when you look at a three, um, it could be a lot more than seven to $10,000 of profit. Gotcha. And it's also, for that card, the grade doesn't matter as much as the eye appeal. The They're coloring. All, the, the centering. The centering for that is very important. So a well-centered PSA 4 could sell for more than an off-centered PSA 5. Gotcha. Now, is that something that you personally look for in a car, like the centering, or what do you personally look for? I would say, yeah, centering is huge, especially for that card. Gotcha. Um, And then every other card in general, I mean, centering is the thing that you see first. I mean, the corners are important, but the centering, if it's off-centered completely, I mean, that's what you realize without even thinking it. Interesting. So... As we close up the show, the episode, we usually leave the listeners for one thing that you recommend. It could be life-oriented, it could be sports card-oriented, to deposit to their memory banks. When they leave here today, it's like, all right, this weekend, it's a 4th of July weekend. Like, go home, go into your mother's basement, your father's attic, your grandmother's, whatever, and find these cards, right? What's one thing, what's one piece of advice you want to leave the listeners with? I would say if you have a lot of money invested in the cards and you're getting nervous now that things are going down a little bit, um, you could either hold it, you could sell it and cut your losses and put the money into something that will make you more money. And even if you take a $2,000 loss, you can have $10,000 and that 10000 could turn into fifty if you put it in the right places. So I wouldn't really get too down and give up hope on the market because as quick as it went up and quick as it went down, it can just go right back up again. And I don't want to make people naive, but overnight things can change. So I wouldn't be upset about where we are now. If you have high-end cards, you're in a great spot. If you have low-end cards, sky's the limit. Interesting. Jordan, I appreciate you coming on the show. Pleasure getting to know you. If anybody has any cards or lots for sale, especially high-end, reach out, tell them to pause that, and uh, look forward to having you back on. Me too. Thanks. Appreciate it.